You're listening to the message podcast of High Ridge Church Longview, where our vision is to help you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and ultimately make a difference. We are so glad that you're here, and we pray that this message impacts your life as you apply the spiritual truths from God's Word in practical ways. Let's listen in. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate it. Hey, welcome to church, everybody. I'm glad you're here. Happy Sunday. Good morning. And for all of you watching online, especially my mother... Happy Mother's Day, Mom. Happy Mother's Day to all of our moms that are watching. Your Highbridge family is going to tell you how much they love you by a big round of applause. I just feel it. Come on, everybody. That's what I'm talking about. So glad that you're here. Hey, grab your Bibles if you will. We're going to spend some time in God's Word and believe that as we do that, God is going to speak to us today. I want to just say as we're turning to Exodus chapter 2, Let me just say, I appreciate being a part of a generous church. You guys do amazing things through your generosity and through your giving. Thank you so much for standing behind us with your faithfulness and with your support. It means the world to me. Let me just tell you, um, last Sunday, we had Student Takeover Sunday, and it was awesome to see. Let me just tell you, for all of you people who think that Jesus Christ has only, uh, has forgotten about these teenagers in our next generation, you are wrong. The power of God is moving mightily through our young ones. And I love being a part of a church that absolutely champions the cause of what Jesus is doing in young people's hearts. It is awesome to see our young people on fire for God. We are part of an amazing church, and that is because of you standing behind us with your faithfulness, with your prayers, with your generosity, with your support. Thank you for being a place that welcomes in the young ones. Come on, somebody. It's awesome to see it. And... and Not to be outdone, this past Friday was the biggest men's event we have ever done in the history of ever. Come on, somebody. Beast Feast was an an amazing night, not just for for the fact that we sold out weeks before. Um, And by the way, I I just want to apologize for all of you who I had to tell you no, but I told you, you better get tickets early. You didn't listen. And we had to tell so many people, I'm sorry, we are oversold and uh, there's a long waiting list for guys that wanted to get here and that waited till the last minute. I'm super sorry, but I told you. But we literally had people from about 40 different cities buy tickets to this event. It was insane. So when we asked for, Pastor James asked for, uh, for a raising of hands for those who this was the very first time that they've ever come to uh, this event. And I was shocked by how many people it was their first time. Uh, but the, the biggest wins of all of them, and there were many, uh, number one, that Uncle Cy from Duck Dynasty did not cuss. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, that Mr. Philip McMillan that they brought did not take his shirt off, uh, which if you, if you know the show, you know what I mean. Uh, this was a no nudity beast feast. The first ever, by the way. <laughs> Uh, But more than all of those things, let me just share the biggest win of all with you. 31 men accepted Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. 31 men stepped from darkness to light. And I am so proud of all the hard work and the prayers and the support. I asked you guys to pray for that event. And let me just tell you, God answered a lot of mamas and grandmas' prayers on Friday night when 31 men took a step towards Christ. I, I can't say thank you enough. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you for being a part of an amazing church and for standing behind us. You're making a difference. It matters. It matters. So with that being said, uh, it is Mother's Day. And if that comes as a shock to you, we have Mother's Day cards available for you in our bathrooms to be used at your discretion. Your tithe money paid for it. You can't buy it. They're yours. We want to try to keep you out of hot water and keep ourselves out of having to do more counseling. 
It's a win-win. So if you need a Mother's Day card, they are our gift to you. She don't know. We're gonna put Father's Day cards in there too. That's okay. We just believe that in case you forgot, we don't wanna create tension in your home. We believe that your home is a place that God wants to bless and we're gonna help you do that. So uh, Exodus chapter two is where we're gonna start today as we dig into God's word. Exodus chapter two. If you're a note taker, I got some things that are important that I think you're gonna wanna see, things that you're gonna wanna write down, things that I think are important. As we talk along the subject of one act of compassion, somebody say compassion. Compassion. Compassion Compassion is something that we're gonna have to fight for as we continue to grow as a church, as we continue to get bigger. Um, I want this to be something that stirs in our hearts that we do not forget about compassion. It's important. Now, uh, you'll, you'll notice as many churches get bigger, as they grow in impact, as they get momentum, even if they're doing fantastic things, if you don't keep the heart of compassion, you forget about the main thing. You forget about the heart of God. You forget about what Jesus is doing. You, you forget to be stirred by compassion, to be moved by compassion, because compassion is gonna take a fight. As we get older, it's gonna take a fight for us to stay compassionate. Now, I will admit that there are some people that are just compassionate to a fault, there are some people in this room that the rest of us, we don't understand you. But you, uh, hey, if, if, if there's a, a, a heart to be broken, it's gonna be yours. You are the most compassionate people. People tell you all the time, you care too much, as if that was a thing. But for the rest of us, we've gotten a little older, a little wiser, a little bit, a little bit more street smart. We've been used, we've been abused, we've been hurt, we've been lied to, been cheated on, been messed around, and you know what? Compassion flies out the window. Compassion is a powerful part of being a believer, and it's something that is going to take a fight for us to respond with compassion, for us to speak with compassion, for us to continue to have a compassionate heart, even in the midst of life struggles. It takes a fight to remain compassionate, does it not? It does. Let me remind you of this. Uh, Life will have a way of robbing us of that compassion. It does. I believe... um, I have a working theory that every kid is born um, compassionate and selfless and gentle and kind. And then right about the time that moms introduce sugar, when sugar comes along in a kid's life, I have a theory. I'm not saying it's biblical. I'm just saying, I I believe that sugar is the beginning of the end of compassion. It's the beginning of selfishness. It's, It's where your eyes light up and you realize they've been holding out on me. I don't trust anybody because <laughs> sugar is good. I love sugar. Don't pray for me to be delivered. I like it. <laughs> but one act of compassion, I believe, can change the course of history. And I want to show you that in Exodus chapter 2. So uh, if you're new to the story, if you're new to the Bible, um, open it up to the very beginning. Take a few pages over to the right. You're going to come to Exodus chapter 2. Where we find ourselves in this story is the story of the Hebrew people. Now, they have a long track record of being disobedient to God, as many of us do. And because of their continued disobedience and the defying of God's word and God's law, God allows them to be conquered by Pharaoh in the land of Egypt, the world's superpower of the day. They become slaves to Egypt. But even in the midst of their disobedience, even in the midst of their punishment, even in the midst of slavery, God begins to bless them. They begin to multiply. They begin to grow. They begin to spread out and gain in power. And of course, Pharaoh has a hard time with this. And so he begins to think about how in the world are we going to control the population that keeps on growing of these slaves? At some point, they're going to take over the entire country. 
And so he passed this policy that's just stupid. He says, what we're going to do is we're going to kill every male Hebrew baby. We would see a reflection of this, by the way, in Jesus' time. And so he makes this law, and he tells all the midwives in the land, as soon as a Hebrew baby is born, I want you to notice if it's male or female, and if it's a male, you are to put that baby to death immediately. By the order of the Pharaoh, and the midwives are like, that's stupid. I'm not going to do that one. And so they constantly have to tell Pharaoh these lies when the, the Hebrew people keep multiplying and keep growing. It's like, why are, they, why are they continuing to grow and multiply? They're like, well, these Hebrew women, you would not believe how fast they give birth. As soon as we get there, the baby's already born and they're already taken care of. Like, we, we got there too late. And so in the midst of this crazy law, in the midst of this issue that they have with God blessing the Hebrew people, one act of compassion begins to stir the heart of God and begins to move things into the miraculous. It prepares the way for the deliverance of God's people from slavery. The Bible says that Moses was born and Moses' mother, as soon as she sees that he is a male, knowing that his life is in danger, she makes him, prepares a basket for him and she places the baby in the basket and floats him down the river and tells Moses' older sister, watch over the basket, but we've got to hide him to keep him from being killed in order to save his life. The Bible tells us that Pharaoh's daughter, the princess, the daughter of the most powerful man on the planet, just happens to be at that part of the river at that specific time. Here's what happens in verse five. It says, then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile River to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds, and she sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby, and he was crying, and she felt sorry for him. Original language says she was moved by compassion. It says this, she says, this is one of those Hebrew babies. And then his sister, she walks up and she asks Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of those Hebrew women to nurse this baby for you? Yeah, that's a good idea, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me and I will pay you. Think about that. Will you raise this child for me? Mm, I don't know. Let's work out the details. What are you offering to pay me? You know, <laughs> Getting paid to raise your own children. That's not a bad idea. It's Mother's Day, you can ask, it's your day. It says, so this woman took the baby and nursed him, and when the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. Moses literally gets raised as the grandson of Pharaoh because of one act of compassion one act of compassionate defiance, one act that changed the course of the history of the world, one act of compassion that led to the delivery of two million people from slavery, one act of compassion. So whether you think of yourself as a compassionate person or not, I want us to rethink compassion a little bit. I want us to, uh, to, to redefine the terms of what it means to be compassionate as children of God. I want you to take a moment, if you would, as we're digging into God's word and, and take, a, take a good look at your, own, at your own heart, at the condition of your own heart. Let's think about compassion. I want to give you three things that are important as we pull out of this story, things that we can apply to our lives that I think will make a big difference. If you're a note taker, you might want to write this down. Number one, compassion is never weakness. Compassion is never weakness. Weakness. Now, 
in case you didn't know, the more compassionate you are, the more people are going to take advantage of your compassion. And so we have a tendency to tell ourselves, as long as I can just be stronger and shut out the voice of compassion, I won't be so weak. Compassion is never weakness. So in case you didn't know this, Jesus came full of compassion and courage. You could not call Jesus a weak man, but yet he was moved by compassion. Scripture tells us literally dozens of times, Jesus moved by compassion. You know what's crazy? As you read those dozens of scriptures of the moving of compassion by Jesus, it always predicates the miraculous. Jesus moved by compassion, healed them. Jesus moved by compassion, fed them. Jesus moved by compassion, opened blinded eyes, opened deaf ears, raised the dead, moved by compassion. Jesus wept over the death of Lazarus, even though he knew he was about to raise him from the dead. Jesus was moved and stirred by compassion, not weakness, compassion and The miraculous followed. I want to remind you of this simple truth. Compassion is often the leading of God stirring us toward miracles. How many miracles have we missed out on because we refused to be moved by the heart of compassion? Compassion is often the moving, the stirring of God's Holy Spirit inside of us to say, I want to do a miracle, but I want you to step out in compassion first. Compassion is often the leading of God stirring us towards miracles. Miracles. So I think most of us would say that we have some form of compassion. We will be compassionate at the right time. I'll be compassionate if I have to, or on Mother's Day, or on Father's Day, or if I see someone truly, truly worse off than me, or see somebody that kind of stirs my heart, I can have compassion, but I'm not just, I'm not naturally a compassionate person. I think I'm not alone. I say I'm not naturally a compassionate person. At some point I was, but I've been lied to and cheated on and talked about and manipulated. I've had people step all over my compassion. I've tried to be extremely generous and kind and humble, trying it. it, A lot of times you get hurt. Come on, somebody look at me and say, yes, yes. I'm just telling you the the reward for for compassion may may be the miraculous move of God, but all, all, all too often it comes with hurt from people. People will not return your compassion with compassion. And we, it's a struggle. It's a fight to stay compassionate. You know it. I know it. It's hard. I'm not a compassionate person naturally. But here's the good news. When you are born again, when we call ourselves believers, when we allow our lives to be governed by the grace of God and by his Holy Spirit, something begins to stir inside of each of us saying, you know what? You may not naturally be compassionate, but supernaturally, you have no choice. Paul writes this to the church in Colossians. He says this, Colossians 3, verse 12. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people. Say that with me. God's chosen people. One more time. God's chosen people. That means that God chose you. He foreknew you. He predestined you. He selected you. He called you. And as God's chosen people, what are we supposed to do in response? He said, clothe yourselves with, somebody say the next word. Compassion. Compassion. He doesn't say it's just going to automatically be there. He says, you're going to have to make a choice. It's going to come out in what you say. It's going to come out in how you respond. Compassion. He says, you are to clothe yourself with it. Christians and believers should be known for what they clothe themselves with. This is not just about preachers and sneakers. It's not just about designer clothes. Let me just tell you, you can look nice, but if you are not clothed with compassion, 
You might look nice on the outside, but you are not doing what God's word has called us and mandated for us to do. We are called to clothe ourselves, look, with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness and patience. Those five things do not naturally occur anywhere in my life. I am the world's worst at all of those things. Gentle, nope. Humble, absolutely not. Kind, not unless I have to be. Compassion, no. Why? Because I've been hurt. Been lied to. Been manipulated. Been talked about. Found myself in a lot of dark situations because I tried to do the right thing and I tried to be compassionate, tried to say the right thing, tried to respond the right way, and it blows up in my face. Compassion takes a fight. And it's easy for us to tell ourselves that because I'm older and I'm wiser, I don't have to be compassionate because people are going to use me and abuse me and take advantage of me. But look at me. That's what they did to Jesus. It's exactly how they treated the disciples. It's how they treated the the first church. One of the markers of Christianity is that we are compassionate even when it hurts us. We are kind even when it's easier to respond with being hard. We're humble. We're gentle. We're patient to a fault, to our own hurt. I want to remind you of this simple fact that people will absolutely use you and abuse you and say the wrong things at the wrong time, the right thing at the wrong time, which could sometimes be even worse. People will manipulate you. They will lie about you. They will hurt you. Some of them may be in your own family. But when we make a choice to clothe ourselves in compassion, when we make a choice to respond kindly, God will do what only God can do. God begins to take up your cause. God says, that's my daughter. That is my son. And that is not weakness. That's an invitation for me to do the miraculous. I wonder how many miracles have we missed out on because we've lost a heart of compassion. Mistaking it for weakness. Compassion isn't weakness. And I want to remind you when it says God's chosen people. Often in scripture, that's a, that's a term referring to the Jews, referring to those that are, that are Israelites. But Paul's writing this to the church in Greece. These are Gentiles, not the Jewish people. So he's saying, hey, as God's chosen people, you need to clothe yourself this way. It's easy for us as believers to say, yeah, yeah, yeah to the Jews, you guys need to clothe yourself in humility and kindness and patience and compassion. No, no, no. He's writing this to us. We are Gentiles. And this is how we are to respond. This is what we are to live up to. Compassion is to be a marker of every believer. I think our Americanized version of Christianity has gotten way too far from a heart of compassion, from patience and kindness, gentleness. I certainly wouldn't label us as humble. We're Americans. We're back-to-back World War champs. Get some. We're Texan. Come on, baby. I ain't humble about nothing because we're better than you. It's difficult sometimes to recognize that we're going to have to have a fight to stay humble and to stay compassionate. But God has absolutely miraculously blessed your life. I want to remind you that you live in a time in history and you live in a country in history where you are the most blessed people in the history of ever. You may not have as much as somebody else, but God has absolutely blessed you. And there is no excuse for us as believers, 
as those that call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's no excuse for us to not respond with compassion. Ever, we can have compassion and know that we've been stirred and moved by the heart of God and open the door for the miraculous. So really, compassion is a choice to respond to God's heart. An invitation for God to take up the fight for us. I can respond with compassion. When was the last time that you returned compassion for something else? When was the last time that your response was compassionate and kind instead of tit for tat? Yeah, you go this way, you turn it up to a six, I'm turned up to a 10. Because you can. I've learned this, that when I'm compassionate and kind, when I take the low road, God begins to change human hearts. God begins to do things that I could not argue with on my best day. I've watched this people that I thought I would never win this argument with. When I respond in compassion, people would come back and say, you know what? I'm sorry. I was wrong. And I thought, wow. I could have proven you wrong and lost the power of this moment. Compassion is not weakness. It's an open door to the miraculous. Here's the second key. I want to make sure that you can see this. Number two, it's not what you have. It's how you use it. It's not what you have, it's how you use it. I want to remind you that this is a Pharaoh's daughter. This is a princess. Her dad is the most powerful man in the world. She is uniquely placed by God, blessed, living a life of abundance and opulence. She could do anything that she wants, but what she's been given hasn't spoiled her or made her cruel. She can still be moved by compassion. Let me remind you, money doesn't have to ruin you. It doesn't have to have your heart. You are blessed but we're blessed to be a blessing. Let me contrast that for a moment with Mary, the mother of Jesus. She wasn't born as the the daughter of the major superpower on earth, but God made her his daughter because she served him with what she had, her obedience. She says, be it unto me as you have said. I love her heart of submission to the will of God in spite of poverty. It's not about abundance or lack. It's about God using what you do have by stirring your heart with compassion. Look at this scripture in 1 John chapter 3. It says, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? How can we say God's love is living inside of my heart? Now, are people going to take advantage of you? I want to remind you, yes, they will. Are there situations that you are not called to meet the need? Yes, but we are to be people of compassion, people that are moved and stirred, by the way, while being led by the Holy Spirit. Lord, would you show me? But when the Lord shows you, he will often show you with compassion. You'll feel it on the inside of you, like, I need to do this. Don't ignore that. That's not weakness. This is an invitation for God to do the miraculous. When I do and I give and I honor, when I say, when I do what I have, man, God uses it in powerful ways. I want to say it this way, that God expects me to be a conduit of his compassion. If you didn't know that, it's on the screen, but there's an expectation that God puts upon the lives of every son and every daughter. He expects us to be his hands and feet and a conduit of his compassion. So when we give and when we tithe and when we serve, when we honor God with our first fruits, when we honor God with our wealth, When we're stirred by compassion, moved by the Holy Spirit, God's like, that's my daughter. That's my son. I can trust them. 
And we learn to serve God with an open hand. Oh, when you learn to serve God and to be obedient with an open hand, God can bless you with more. It's not what you have, it's how you use it. And I wanna make sure that you, that you see it this way. I'll put, it, put this on the screen. So before I ask for blessing, I will bless God with what I have. I wish more believers would hear that. That's really important. But when we learn to thank God for what we have, we learn to let God use what we do have instead of just constantly asking him for more. Let me just tell you, that's a horrible version of Christianity, and it's not right. How many miracles did God ask, did God perform while he's asking for someone to be moved with compassion, moved with obedience, moved in submission, God stirs their heart and they do something even out of their lack and out of their poverty. God does this, by the way, Old Testament, New Testament, time and time and time again, God stirs someone with a heart of compassion when they have nothing left. Then the miraculous happens where people allow God to do what only God can do through the little of what they have. I wonder what could God do with your abundance? What could God do with your lack? it's not really what you have, it's how you use it. You still with me? Yeah. I wanna finish up at this point today, number three. When I do what only I can do, God does what only God can do. I've known this to be true my entire life. But there are some things that God will not do for you. There are some things that God absolutely will not do for you. He won't. But he's asking you to do what only you can do. And when we do, God does what only God can do. I've seen this play out in many, many ways in my own life. And many of you are nodding your head. You've seen it happen. But only God could have done that. I want to remind you, there are some situations that only you can do it. When God stirs your heart with compassion, that's for you. It's easy for us to say, well, God can stir somebody else's heart. He can make somebody else do this. This is your calling from the Lord. And when I do what only I can do, God will do what only God can do. I want to remind you, this woman that picks Moses up out of this basket is a princess. And obviously she's loved very much by her father because she takes disobedience right into his home and he raises Moses as his grandson. By the way, you've seen this happen and play out in your own life. I promise you, there are some people that you know, just when you're thinking about it, you're like, I know exactly who we're talking about. Some of the most crusty, hardened men that just have the hardest of hearts and they don't like anybody and they're grumpy and they complain about everything. I don't like nobody. You know what fixes all that? Grandbabies. <laughs> I hate the world. Hurt all the time. Tired. Bring a baby around, there's energy stored up that they didn't know that they had. And they're out there doing stuff and laughing and playing and running around through a sprinkler like, who is that man? He never got off the recliner. You've seen it happen. Them grandbabies will find, they'll change the hardest of hearts. You've seen, you've seen grandmas completely different than when they were mamas. Throw them grandbabies in there and they treat them with like they're little princesses and little princes. I remember the first time I took my grandkids to, to see my mother-in-law and then my mom, and I thought, who is this woman? What in the world? I could never have gotten away with that. Mother, don't let him do that. I'm like, oh, he needs it. I'm like, he does not need a bowl of sugar. He'll lose his compassion. 
They don't need to go to Disneyland four times a week. Yes, they do. They need this. You would have hit me for asking. What in the world? But when you use what you have, God begins to do what only God can do. When you lay it at the feet of the Lord Jesus and say, Lord, I need you to change a human heart. One act of compassion can change a human heart. One act of compassion can open the door to the miracles that you're looking for. One act of compassion could be God stirring you towards the miraculous. I want to make sure that you see it. God loves to reward compassion with the miraculous. Old Testament, New Testament, dozens of stories where God rewards compassion. One act of compassion with a miracle. You know, I was, uh, if I'm going to be honest with you, there are, um, there are about two books of the Bible that when I'm reading through the Bible every year, as, as I do, I've done this like 25 years now, read the entire Bible through uh, once a year, I read Psalms and Proverbs, and I, I really spend a lot of time in God's Word every single day. Um, but there are two books of the Bible that I'll move real fast through. Uh, I'll skim. Don't look at me like that. You do it too. Hey, the first is Leviticus, because... I'm like, Genesis, great. Exodus, cool. Really, really cool. Leviticus? Why do I care about this? That's for those disobedient people. I'm under the new covenant, baby. None of this applies to me. <laughs> I like bacon, and bacon is good. What's wrong with y'all? Y'all shouldn't have disobeyed. I'm under grace. No, I get to Leviticus, and I have a hard time. And then there's also Chronicles. When I get to First and Second Chronicles, I'm like, man, I don't care how many kids you had, bro. <laughs> but there's this lineage, and it's this person begat this person, this person married this person, this person had this many kids. Like, I don't care. Get, can we skip to the good part? When does Jesus come in? <laughs> Some of you are nodding your heads. I get it. I get, now, I, I love God's word, and there's 66 books. I love 64 of them. <laughs> but you get to those two, and it's like... Come on, man. Show me something good. But, but here's the thing. Uh, every part of God's word is valuable. And there are things in there that if you're willing to walk through and, and actually do the digging, you can find stuff that you'll never see in any other book of the Bible. There are powerful things that God will speak to you as you open up his word. And there's a great scripture. I want to show you this in 1 Chronicles chapter 4. I was looking at this this week and it just screamed off the page at me as I was thinking about compassion and the reward that God gives to compassionate people. And when one person does a compassionate act, God rewards that. And there's this little tiny scripture tucked away that comes to life when you know the whole story. Look at this in chapter four, verse 17 and 18. It says, the sons of Ezra, Jather, Merid, Epher, and Jalan. One of Merid's wives gave birth to Miriam, Shammai, and Ishba, the father of Eshtemoah. I don't know how in the world I pronounced that. I blacked out for a second. How did you do all that? I don't know. But notice it says this. They were of the tribe of, somebody say the next word, Judah. By the way, this is Jesus' lineage the tribe of Judah, Judah meaning praise in the original language. And it says this, these were the children of Pharaoh's daughter, Bithia, God names her. Before she was anonymous, now she's named, who had married a Hebrew man named Merit. She pulls Moses out of the river, takes him in as her own son, raises him as the grandson of Pharaoh, then God shows her the love of her life. She leaves her people joins the Hebrew people and is led out of slavery from her home country 
with her new family. What a powerful story of God doing the miraculous because of one act of compassion. One act of compassion can change the course of our lives too. One act of compassion can open the door for the miraculous. You know, if you're going to do a deep dive into this story, there's so many, uh, there's so many rabbit trails you can go down. But one of those that I, that I found that was most important to me, that really stuck out to me, is if you're ever reading Jewish rabbinical literature just in your spare time. If you research this story, uh, uh, the background of Pharaoh's daughter, Bithia, you'll find this, that the moment that she determined that she was going to do this and take in Moses as her own, that God began to re redefine her destiny. And it says this, that God said to Bithia, he says, you have called Moses your son, although he was not your son, therefore I will call you my daughter. What a powerful concept that is unleashed here in the scripture of God saying, look, you are not my people, now you're my people. Why? Because of one act of compassion. You left your palace, I'm giving you a purpose. You leave your family, I'm bringing you into my family. You named him Moses, I'm gonna name you. What a powerful moment where we can see the heart of God because of one act of compassion. I wonder what could God do with your compassion? What could God do when he stirs your heart this week towards something that is bigger than yourself and your own needs? Are you walking through a struggle? I bet you are. Are there people that are struggling worse than you? Absolutely, they are. Can you be stirred and moved by compassion? I believe you can be. Why? Because you're a believer and you came here to church on Sunday. That means that you believe that Jesus Christ is hopefully the Son of God. You've put your faith and your hope and your trust in him. Therefore, you can clothe yourself in humility and you can respond to the leading of the Holy Spirit with compassion and kindness and gentleness and humility patience. That doesn't sound like you, but yet when we're born again, it's something that we can clothe ourselves in. I can choose to respond differently. In the midst of those responses, God begins to do what only God can do. And God says, when you step out on compassion, I'm going to open the door to the miraculous. When you choose to respond with kindness, I'm going to show you my kindness. When you respond with mercy, my mercies are new every morning for you. And I know that you can look at that person and say, man, that person doesn't deserve it. Well, neither did you. But his mercy was new every morning. And as God's chosen people, we absolutely can clothe ourselves with compassion. I want to finish up right there, if that's okay. I want to invite you right where you are. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? I want to pray for you today. I want to pray for your heart. I want to pray for the Holy Spirit to show you how to respond in compassion and kindness in gentleness and humility and patience this week. I want to ask the Lord to trust you with an opportunity to be compassionate where you don't have to be. And I'm believing that as you take that step of faith, that God is going to reward you with the miraculous. There are breakthroughs that have never, ever come until you unlock them by being obedient to the heart of God with compassion. Father, I pray that right now, all over this place, you begin to speak to the hearts and minds of your people. We've gathered here in this place to hear your word and then to respond to it. Lord, you're stirring us to be a compassionate people, a kind people, humble, patient. And we say yes. We will respond with gentleness and compassion when it's not easy, when it's not convenient but because you said so. 
we are your people and we choose to submit to you. We are people led by your spirit. And we believe that you can do powerful things when we're obedient to you. Lord, would you bless my friends? Would you encourage them? Would you strengthen them? Would you lead them by your spirit? And I pray that as they show compassion, Lord, that you would show compassion on them. That you would bless them. Strengthen them, Lord God, I pray. In Jesus' name. And now with heads bowed and eyes closed, my friend, if you're here today or perhaps you're watching online and you say, Pastor, I need a relationship with Jesus. I need to know him. If that's you today, I want to lead you in a simple prayer right where you are. I want to invite you to pray with me. I'll tell you what to say, but pray with me. Let me introduce you to Jesus right now through a prayer. Just say, Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. Come on, pray with me. Say, I believe that you came and died. I believe you rose from the grave so that I could have life and forgiveness for all of my sins. I ask you to take over my life. I give it to you. Forgive me. Save me. I need your help. In Jesus' name. And now with heads bowed and eyes closed, my friend, if that was you and you actually prayed that prayer with me, if you prayed with me today, would you do me a favor? Would you just slip your hand up all over this place and say, that was me, Pastor. I did that. Good. I see you. Good. Good for you. Yes, I see you, young man. Yes, sir, I see you. Yes, ma'am. Good for you. Yes, ma'am, I see you up at the top. Good. If you're watching online, I want to encourage you. There's a number appearing on your screen, and there's a number appearing on the screen behind me. If you prayed that prayer, I want to invite you to not just stop there, but to take the next step. Text me. The number's on the screen, 844-HRC-TEXT. Text the words, I prayed. It's actually all one word, I prayed. Text it to that number, and I'm going to send you back to, to uh, I'm going to send you a couple of links that I've made just for you. They'll help you to understand what just happened in your heart and what to do next. See, this isn't the end of your relationship with Jesus. This is the beginning, and nothing would make me more proud. Nothing would honor me more than to be able to help you to continue to walk by faith. It's a good thing, and I'm proud of you. Good for you. Highridge family, would you go ahead and look up at me, then stand to your feet if you would. We have six people responding to the gospel today. And we think that's a pretty big deal. Come on, somebody. My friends, if you're watching this online, would you do us a huge favor? Would you share this on whatever social media platform that you're using today? Would you click the share button? It means a lot to us. People need to understand the heart of compassion and what God can do when we respond to his Holy Spirit. If you're with us live in church service today, I'd ask you to do the same if you wouldn't mind. Um, I think people need to hear this. People need to know about the goodness of God and about the compassion that we can be stirred with as believers. The Americanized version of Christianity needs to be moved and stirred by compassion as the Holy Spirit leads. It's part of who we're supposed to be. I'm gonna invite our elders and their wives forward. These guys are gonna remain standing as the service ends to be available to pray for you about whatever you might need prayer for. I understand it's difficult sometimes to ask somebody for prayer. It's difficult to step out from where you are and, and wonder if everybody's staring at you. Yeah, they are. But at some point, you're going to have to get over it and believe that as you take a step of faith, that God will do what only God can do. God's not going to make your feet move. He's not going to make you get prayed for. God's not going to make you ask for help. But if you take that step, God will do what only God can do. And so we are here according to Scripture. Scripture tells us that if you need prayer, we're to make our elders available for praying for you. And so we're doing our end. 
I want to encourage you over the next few moments, if you need prayer about any area of your life, we are here and we would love nothing more than to pray for you. For everybody else, I want, I want to remind you of a couple of things. Uh, moms, we have a special gift for you. Um, grandmothers, we have a special gift for you as well. Those that had to step in when another mother stepped out, we have a gift for you. Those that recognize that Mother's Day is a very difficult day for you, um, you have a longing and desire to be a mother and this is a hard day for you. Let me just tell you, we want to honor you today too. So we have a gift for mothers and we want to just say, hey, you're loved here. You're appreciated here. You're valued here. As a matter of fact, all of us originally came from our mom anyway. So we have to remember our roots and honor where we came from. I love you, mom. <laughs> we have a special gift for you. For everyone else, let me bless you and send you out. Father, would you bless my friends with an amazing week, being moved and stirred by compassion, being led by your spirit all week long. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you go. Have an amazing Mother's Day weekend. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our prayer is that you are encouraged and strengthened by the message. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review wherever you're listening. If you want to be a part of our online community, connect with us through Facebook or Instagram with the handle at HighRidgeLV, or you can check out our website at HighRidgeLV.com. Lastly, if this ministry has impacted your life and you'd like to support its work, visit HighRidgeLV.com slash give. We appreciate your support and we're believing with you today for God's best in your life. Have an incredible week and we will see you next time.